Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Welcome, podcast listeners. Uh, Max from Mono Neon, and I'm with Susan Bregman, Boston-based photographer. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Uh, so, Susan, you've, you've got uh, an incredible book about Neon out. Uh, there's a couple of different things that I've seen online. Can you tell our listeners about where kind of Neon entered uh, your, um, you know, how you got introduced? What was the kind of what was the experience you had um, building up to the book? Was there kind of a starting point for you? Well, there was a flash of inspiration. Um, I had been taking photographs for, for years, and really I was doing photographs about transportation-related things, about trains and bridges and buses and that sort of thing. But always in the background, I was taking pictures of neon as well. And people really responded to those photographs. And they would see a photograph of, say, the Sitco sign in Boston or a particular diner or a restaurant or a theater, and, and they would relate to it. They would have a story. They would have a memory. They would have an experience, and they would want to share that with me. And that got me more interested, and I started taking more pictures. And then one day, like about, I think it was about four years ago at this point, it was the end of the year, and I just had this flash of inspiration that I was going to write a book about neon and here I am. And where, you know, what I think about too is that what were some of the challenges, you know, when you, when I think people who make books are incredible, you know, you've got to make up this huge amount of space and time to take photos, to document pieces of not only just what these signs do. Um, personally, I haven't seen the book, but I've seen some pictures of what's inside you know, were you kind of struck by how much neon was out there in New England? You know, there's a huge range of of, um, of different pieces. You know, how did you categorize, how do you even organize something like that? Well, ultimately, I organized it geographically, but originally I was hoping to organize it by type of, um, you know, business or type of institution, like have a chapter on diners, have a chapter on theaters, have a chapter on recreation, things like that, gas stations. Um, but it ended up just being easier from a publishing perspective to do it geographically. And I think that's how people relate. Anyway, you pick up a book and you live in Rhode Island, you want to go straight to the Rhode Island chapter. So I did cover all of New England. And I was, I was um, pleasantly surprised. I certainly knew about all the neon in the Boston area. Some of it, um, you know, you know, the Sitco sign, you know, the there's a big shell sign, the shell sign in Cambridge. Um, there are plenty of other signs that I'm just blanking on right now. Um, Twin Donuts, my personal favorite. But um, just getting out of the city, there's just signs everywhere, and they're all over New England. And I'd say one of the challenges was finding them, figuring out where they were, and sometimes finding the stories behind the signs, because I was trying. I wanted not just to have photographs. The book isn't just photographs. It's also the stories behind the signs, the stories about the businesses, the personal um, experiences, I guess, of, you know, that people could relate to about the signs. And that was sometimes a challenge because maybe the signs were for businesses that were gone and I would have to play detective. I'd have to figure out, you know, who owned that business, what type of business it was, like with a with motels. Sometimes I would have to go on eBay and find postcards 
that told me about the motels and things like that. So it was, it was a little bit of a treasure hunt. Yeah. And I think so too, like when, you know, I think some of the neon is very personal. We even talked about other episodes of the show where you have individuals that are, you know, not only they've been working in these businesses, but they've, you know, it means something to them. You know, that sign just doesn't advertise, maybe say, you know, like you mentioned donuts, but there was all these different eras of the business, you know, maybe it got better, maybe it got worse. Some of the times signs had fallen apart, but they're still there. How do people, you know, react when you ask them to you know, photograph um, their sign? Was it easy to do? Did you, you know, did people stop and kind of ask you questions? Like, what was that look like? How did that work? Well, you know, sometimes, um, and every, every photographer experiences this, sometimes you're out there taking pictures of something and the owner will come out and, you know, be very suspicious about why you're taking pictures of their property. I have been asked to leave some properties. Um, but, you know, by and large, when I tell people what I'm doing and that I'm documenting the history of neon signs in New England, the New England neon landscape, people are really happy to talk about their signs. Um, sometimes they invite me in the shop. Um, or sometimes I follow up later by phone and, um, you know, they, they're, they're very, they're very attached to the history of their business and they're really, they, they love to share that. And, and a lot of things about neon signs I discovered was many of the businesses are, they're family owned, they're second generation, they're third generation. I think in New Haven, Connecticut, there's a, um, a, a rug store that imports Oriental rugs and, um, I think they were in their fifth generation already. So that that's the other really wonderful thing about learning these stories and just seeing this is this is, you know, the American dream for a lot of people, owning their own business, handing it down to their children. And I think the signs represent that over the years. I think so too. I think you when you were talking about the different signs and you know how we're even able to get all this information out there, are you how are you using social platforms like Instagram as a photographer? I love Instagram. Um, Instagram is my, um, what I love about Instagram is it really connected me to the sign community. Um, you were interviewing a few weeks ago, the folks in Science United, and I'm a member of that group. And it's really a wonderful community of sign aficionados, sign enthusiasts. And I was able to connect with so many people and um, learn so many things through Instagram and getting to know these people, seeing their work, they're seeing my work. And it was really a wonderful opportunity. It is too. I think, you know, when you look at the the kind of the depth that's out there, it really struck me, I think initially when I rolled out on Instagram, which I think was, you know, it was about two, two and a half years ago. I remember thinking that, okay, well, here I am. I'm not going to be able to find everybody I want, but you know, I'm going to at least put the, the word out that I want to, uh, you know, I want to connect. What was interesting that happened immediately was that I was struck by just the sheer number that I had to get through to even find out, you know, the ones that I didn't know. And that happened very quickly. I remember thinking that, okay, well, now I've bottomed out. I've found, you know, everyone I think I could find. And then literally the next day, there would be 15 more accounts or individuals that I would just bump into. Mm -hmm. And it was surprising to me that not only is it just within these different states or regions or cities, you even have different countries and different I mean, just different philosophies on neon, you know, not only just what we talked about with just images, but, you know, people that have experiences with these signs, they're talking about the history. You know, you have certain individuals who are documenting what it was like to be in these areas at that time. Or if someone sees a photo and they're like, oh, I know that sign. I was there um, X days ago 
or that's not around, but I still have this photo. I remember that. It's a great kind of like, you know, um, I guess you could call a photo book where back in the day you have these things you could share locally, but now we're really capable of giving this, you know, broad stroke of what's going on in neon just instantly, which is really incredible. It's never really been possible before. I don't think before this kind of rolled out. Yeah, um, it is. It's really amazing. And I think the other thing I've also found, it's like what you were saying. Sometimes I'll hear from people who say, you know, oh my God, that was my father's store, you know, or my uncle found it, opened that store in, you know, 1966 or whatever. So, you know, definitely I have, I have found people that way who, um, you know, who, who see photographs I take of their, their sign, the, the sign attached to their business and they reach out to me. Mm -hmm. And where, you know, I was thinking about this too, is do any of the images of the book uh, stand out for you at all? Are there any kind of like that you really sit back and, and are, are happy with in the end? <laughs> well, of course I'm happy with all of them. <laughs> yes. But, um... <laughs> like really like an immense, like I guess, because really, they're hard to pick, right? But if you had to pick a couple. It's hard to pick, but, um, you know, and I, I could pick different signs for different reasons. I, one of my favorite signs is is a small shop in Boston called Twin Donuts. It's in Alston, which as you probably know, is a student-y neighborhood in, in Boston. It's quite near to where I live. And there's a little donut shop. It opened in the 50s, has this just very simple roof-mounted neon sign. It's pink, it says Twin Donuts. It's, it's in cursive letters. It's just very plain, but just very sweet and um, I, I just love photographing it. And, and the amazing thing about it also is that because it's an old sign, it's not always completely lit all the time. Some of the tubes are out periodically. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I go and it says twin don'ts. Sometimes I go and it says twin nuts. Sometimes it just says donuts. So it, it's kind of fun. I never know what I'm going to see. It's, that's interesting because you know these these signs too i mean they do take a lot of of care you know people will argue that there's neon and then there's all the times when it's not on and you know i understand i, I think that from a business owner you don't always want to have yourself you know put out by something that's you know not always going on 100 percent. you know for instance a sign that might go out once in a while um but just the idea that that can kind of even be a conversation point, you know, like even I could imagine people stopping and taking more photos than they normally would if it was completely on, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. You know, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's and it certainly sparks, you know, Instagram conversations um, or Facebook conversations. You know, when people see a sign that's half out and maybe spells something very strange. You know, people always talk about the shell sign in Cambridge, and sometimes the S used to go out, so it would just say hell. You know, I mean, it's, it's just kind of funny. Which is a PR nightmare, I guess. But, you know, I, hey, it's good for photos. Yeah, it's good for photos. <laughs> Do, you know, when I think about uh, photos too, are there, is there anything that from a particular area of neon that you focused on with the book or did you kind of just pick what you wanted? It, it's a mix. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I picked what I wanted, but I tried to be representative. I tried to make sure, well, certainly I tried to make sure I covered all six New England states. But um, also, I wanted to cover the diversity of styles and the diversity of businesses. So as I said um, earlier, you know, certainly diners, 
theaters, drive-in theaters, bowling. You know, New England has three kinds of bowling. It has 10-pin, candle-pin, and duck-pin. And I was able to see, um, get signs for all three of those types of bowling. Wow. Um, you know, and then there's crazy signs. There's, you know, there's lobsters. There's neon lobsters. There's neon palm trees. There's, you know, the giant cactus on Route 1 that was attached to um, the Hilltop Steakhouse. There are, um, there's a big whale. There's a big neon whale in um, Portsmouth, New Hampshire that used to be associated with a restaurant. So I really wanted to get signs that spoke to me, signs that had good stories behind them, but also be representative and, and try to show the, the range of signs across New England. And when, you know, I think about New England too, you know, how did your, I guess, friends and family react when you started working on a project like this? Was it, did you have support from the community or I guess, because making a book, it, it is a process. It takes time and there's it's a lot a of- process, but um, I, I recruited a lot of friends, um, you know, because I would be on these road trips, right? So it's always more fun with someone else and it's easier with someone else so someone can stop the car and then I can run out and take the pictures. So um, I am totally indebted to my friends who drove with me and um, navigated with me. And, um, you know, so there, there, I had a very supportive um, group of friends who were um, working with me on this book and I tried to include them all in the acknowledgements. Nice. Yeah. With the, uh, with the inclusion of your friends and, was was there a, like with the situation what is it like in new england now other cities are going through a neon revolution some are trying to save what they have obviously all of them need to save more but um do you feel like it's in a healthy place in new england right now uh i maybe maybe not um i i think there's some acknowledgement that these signs are important but I think the implementation of that feeling is a little bit mixed. Um, so for example, the Hilltop Steakhouse sign, big 60 something foot cactus on Route 1 in, in Saugus along a big commercial strip. And that restaurant opened in the 60s and um, closed, I think, in 2013. And then there was this big conversation about, can we save the cactus? And, and ultimately, yes, the new owners agreed to incorporate the sign into their new development, but now it's all LED, and it just kind of doesn't have the same you know, charm and um, style, I guess I would say, that it, that it used to have. And where it, it still says hilltop, it's still a cactus, but where it used to say steakhouse, it now has the names of the tenants of the property. Where it used to have the old owner's name in neon, now it has the developer's name. So it, it, it's kind of an example of a, a good intention a desire to save a sign and, and modernize it. But, but I feel something got a little bit lost in translation. And, and I, I think that happens a lot. And, and I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think there's been conversation around how to 
do that a little bit better instead of just sort of throwing something else in it that wasn't that sort of foreign, right? Um, I think we obviously you pick and choose your battles. Not every sign is going to make it out alive, and obviously some hold more historical backbone than others. Uh, we like to obviously take care of all of them. But uh, where I think where I was going with that was, were there any stories from those from the projects that you worked, you know, photographing that any signs that change your perception of of this issue at all? You know, when you think about it. Well, hmm. You know, certainly some of the signs I photographed are gone now, and I've, I, you know, that's very unsettling I guess some of them were gone like weeks after I took their pictures and um, you know I, I just um, you know it, it makes you realize that um, these signs can disappear overnight and I think it just makes it all the more important to think about them as important um, you know landmarks maybe not technical you know, landmark designated landmarks, but I think it's important to think about preservation. And I think it's important to think about the importance of these neon signs in the community, in the 20th century commercial landscape, and really just part of the fabric of every community because people can relate to these signs and they do serve as local landmarks. I mean, everybody knows the Sitco sign in Boston, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that sign has gone through... Um, you know, it's almost, it's almost come down a few times. And most recently, about, I don't know, three or four years ago, I guess, um, Boston University owned the building that the sign was standing on. And um, those buildings were sold to a developer. And um, Boston University did not make any provision for the sign. And all of a sudden, people are like, well, what's going to happen to the Sitco sign? So there was a landmark petition. The Landmark Commission ultimately voted to designate the sign a City of Boston landmark, not because of its design so much as because of its role in the culture of the city. And then at the 11th hour, I guess I would say, the mayor vetoed the designation because he or the city had reached some sort of agreement with the developers for for 30 years to save the sign for 30 years hmm. so it's you know it, it, it's interesting i think it's a cautionary tale on on the one hand yes the sign is still there i i was there friday i saw it um but it it's not landmarked. It, it's treated like, you know, it, and it is the property of the developer, I guess, or, or, or well, it's not really the property of the developer, but it, it is on their property, so they are responsible for taking care of it. And if even a sign like Sitco, which has a huge constituency, got a lot of publicity, got the city to landmark it, if even that sign isn't doesn't have a guaranteed future then then i really worry about all the other signs that don't have that kind of constituency and that kind of visibility so i, I think it's a true. cautionary tale i think so too there's some funny 
uh, history with that sign too. It's historical, obviously, for many reasons. It's it's really a, a place where people can recognize where to go, right? Mm -hmm. I look at it as uh, many times where you could see yourself at in the city. You can mm -hmm. actually kind of figure out geographically where you're at at any yeah. given time because of the distance between the sign and you, <laughs> mm -hmm. which I think is pretty neat. It's like GPS before we had it. <laughs> it's sign PS. <laughs> I don't know how you call it. Um, but there's in the 79, uh, that at the time the governor of Boston, he ordered the sign to be turned off as a symbol of energy conservation. Yeah. So there's been kind of really unique relationships with signs. That's just one example. And, uh, you know, they, they've proposed it, they want to remove it. Right. But I think people realize that, you know, they'll be losing something if they do that. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, but I hope it doesn't go anywhere anytime soon. So. Well, I do too, but I've also seen some other things going on in the city recently. Some very old um, restaurants, some very old bars that have been around for a hundred plus years that people thought would be here forever. They have just up and closed. So I think people are starting to feel that, you know, anything can happen. It's a little discouraging, a little disconcerting. It is. It is. And it's, I guess it's, it's just, you know, the nature of how people, you know, relate to the signage too. And that changes mm -hmm. over time. You know, I think that's been obviously a, a more of a reoccurring theme, especially with the internet. Now we have the ability to go back in time and look at some of these things, but there is a great, greater movement, like you said, where culturally what we lose and what we are, you know, work to, to gain if we do something about it. So, well, how did, um, is there any impetus to continue, say, another book project for you in any way based on what you have gone on and done with this book so far? Well, I certainly continue to take photographs um, of neon signs, but I do have a new book project, um, but it's about candle pin bowling. So okay. um, as I was going around New England taking pictures of neon signs, as I said, um, New England does have three kinds of bowling. And um, something piqued my interest and I started thinking about candlepin bowling, which is pretty much limited to Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Maine, and um, parts of Canada. And I, and, and it's obviously it's not neon signs, but it's, it's also, it's a New England tradition. A lot of these um, bowling houses are second and third generation family businesses, some of them have neon signs. So it, 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 it seems to flow naturally out of, out of the neon signs, but of course it's a very different topic. It is, but I think it's worth mentioning. I think there's also kind of a relatively easy uh, kind of segue into this because if you look at these, and I've seen a few pictures from just what you've shared online, there's a strong sort of resemblance to a time, a simpler time, especially with the design that's happening though. There's lots of really interesting uh, ways that they've included some of these different uh, entry points to the bowling alley where you see some of the unique shapes and in, in colors and unified forms. I think anybody that appreciates neon should definitely take a look at this um, because you've gotten a really good kind of uh, grasp on what was happening at that time and even now how it's transitioned into the current era, if you will. And there's still you know, people that enjoy this uh, sport, right? It's a unique take on bowling. Um, yes. And I do. I think it's it's a great way to kind of, you know, think about what else was happening at that time. And it does go back to that that 
uh, older era, but somehow it feels fresh. I don't know why. I don't know if it's, <laughs> well, it's and the heyday of bowling, uh, the heyday of candlepin bowling was similar to the heyday of neon. It was in the, you know, 50s, 60s. And, you know, there's, there's similar experiences. Some, some bowling centers are, you know, it's like stepping back into 1959, but others have been completely updated. And it's kind of analogous to, do you restore a neon sign or do you update it with LED? It's sort of the same, the same kind of questions. And, you know, can you make bowling relate to attract a new generation of bowlers? It's, um, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think so about the, you know, it also touches on like things like authenticity, right? Where we think about this uh, comparison between neon and LED, the the kind of factor friction that we also deal with other people that will promote things outside of that that are not true, um, but we'll still compare it to regular neon. I think that's an issue, um, but I think it will get outed. And I think the internet is doing a good job of that. I think where um, where all this is going is it's just exciting to see something like that still preserved. You know, you still have people that are um, just similar to Neon, uh, comparative to what they've done to help kind of bring that to a new era uh, and a new, you know, a new youth that's wanting to uh, yeah, experience these things, things you know, because nothing's worse than going back and finding out what you really think is you'd want to experience and then finding out that it doesn't exist anymore because mm-hmm. you only look at it in a book or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, that's that's tough. What do you think the media gets from from the neon coverage that you've seen from the book? Has there been any kind of um, commentary on that that you think would be worth sharing on the to the listeners? Well, I think um, you know a lot of um, you know the the stories in the book really um, people can really relate to the stories in the book and the um, you know the the sense of nostalgia. I think really speaks to a lot of people about the neon signs in particular and about the businesses that the signs represent. And it does, it's what you were saying, it goes back to a simpler time a little bit and, you know, something that people feel they've lost a little bit. So I think people connect to it on that level. Yeah. And on a side note, where, where can people get the book? Well, they can get it anywhere books are sold or, they can get it direct from me at new either. Well, there's a couple of places. I have a website for the book called newenglandneonbook.com. And I have a, a website called rednickel.com. Perfect. That's great. And uh, Or you can any, message me on Instagram at rednickelneon. It's great. I, I love the uh, kind of the crossover between what you're doing now. You can find your work everywhere else. Um, is there any projects that you want to, like I said, you've got the new book, other new book coming out. Is there a release date for that? Um, I don't know the exact release date, but it's going to be sometime in the fall of 2020. Okay. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the and, lookout for that. And I'm sure I will talk about it much more as I get closer. Right now I'm in the research phase and I'm still um, visiting bowling centers. I was at Boston Bowl yesterday, and I was at the um, the city of Waltham Recreation Department has four candle pin lanes in the basement, so I got to see those. That was very cool. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, anybody that's listening to is into this uh, bowling, please reach out to Susan. Uh, she's doing a lot of really great work. Um, and I highly recommend check out the new book, uh, New England Neon. I, I think it's a really great read. 
that if you haven't seen it yet, um, at least go online and, and see what it's all about. Um, really thank you so much, Susan, for coming on. Um, want to say thank you for all the information you've given us and, uh, yeah, thanks for your time. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up and as always, thanks for listening. Thank you.